You are now tuned in to The Gifted Gab. So as a so obviously as a DJ, people know you as DJ Shannon Supreme. Mm -hmm. You know you've been doing this. We're, we're live now, right? Okay. Yeah, we're live. Yeah, Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're um, good. Ever since I've known you, that's that's your identity. That's what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what what kind of things have you have you seen? Because obviously you've seen diverse situation. You're obviously meeting people in different different venues, different um, establishments in the scene. Like what type of things have you seen that kind of was like? this is something I want to do for the rest of my life, or this is something that's really interesting me? Um, what did I see? So, <laughs> it might come off a bit negative, but people being unhappy, people being unsatisfied in the club, people just, just being there mm. kind of thing. It wasn't really like an experience for them. And I always said, I want to create that experience. Like, I want to create that memory. Like, yo, Jeff, remember when we went to the fucking Shannon Supreme's party and it was like, it was like we were fucking in the jungle in the middle of Toronto yeah. or some shit. Yeah. And me, for me, seeing people, like the happiness that that brings people when you give them a real experience versus just the same, because Toronto people are very hard to please. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Toronto people are a very tough, tough crowd to to cater to. Do you think that's that's just Toronto, or do you think that's everywhere as well? But because I'm guess obviously you've been places, you travel, mm -hmm. but from where you've seen and where you've been, do you think that it's 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 exaggerated here? That sense of like, okay, we got high standards here, yeah. please, and everything like that's. that's I a think thing? Toronto's ultra sensitive versus like being at a party in New York mm. or being at a party in Houston, it was all good vibes, all good energy. Everybody wants to, everybody's there for the common cause, to have fun, to have a good time. Where I find a lot in Toronto, a lot of events turn into who has the biggest Chanel bag? Who's wearing the flyest fucking shoes? Who's Who has the biggest fucking... Booth? In the party. Who yeah. has the most bottles? That's what it's turned into. And that's the shit that almost makes me, like... Turn you off a little bit? Yeah, like a lackluster yeah. of, from the culture a bit. Because it's turning into... Instead of it being an experience, it's... You're turning it into a competition versus people who really don't give a fuck. Yeah, versus people who just want to have fun. There's a sense of bouginess because obviously I'm younger than you, but from, <laughs> from my time growing up and being in that scene, see, going to different clubs, I've realized that it's just all centered around what you're saying. Bottles, booths, bitches, how many you can have in your in your booth. and Who's going to look the most look lit the on Snap? Yeah. Who's going to look the most you like... You know what I mean? One of my homies had the sickest idea before you go. One of my homies had the sickest idea. If you were to throw an event, have no booths. Maybe mm -hmm. one or two every now and then, but literally have people that, because when you eliminate those boosts, you eliminate that status, that mm -hmm. status symbol. You eliminate that hierarchy of like, yeah, I'm better than you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that would play well into like Toronto culture altogether because people will have fun. Mm -hmm. No one's going to be posted up on the wall, posted by the booth, pouring liquor. Like it's, it's different. It's different. So social media, I feel has Toronto almost on a chokehold. I'll tell you that. Elaborate. 
So when I say that, when I'm DJing, nine times out of 10, 50% of the party is phones out. Mm. People, Not... if people are more so just trying to capture the vibe, capture the moment, but it's phones out, right? Instead of just living and being in the moment itself. And to me, it's like at that point, if you're just living to fill up your fucking Snapchat memory or your Instagram memory, what experience or what fun are you really having or trying to have? Are you trying to have an experience or are you trying to live for what? For the gram, for the Snapchat to impress your man that you're trying to talk to or whatever. Per yeah. Impress whatever girl you're beefing yeah. with, impress whoever. Yeah. You're trying to impress somebody. It just comes to a point where it's like, what are you doing it for? What are you, are you doing it? When when do you want to be happy? Yeah. When do you want to experience life itself? I find that the people, and maybe this is a low, this is a blanket statement, but a lot of times when people post the most things when they're going out to eat, when they're traveling, I feel like they're the most unhappy people. This is just me saying that they're the most mm -hmm. unhappy people because why do you feel the need to show us every move you're making? You know what I'm saying? When you're having fun, most times, time's flying by and your phone's in your pocket. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been to a party and like you link your friend and be like, yo, how is it? And they don't text you back for hours because they're having fun in the moment. Mm -hmm. But when a guy gets back to you a minute after, you kind of raise your eyebrows. You're like, oh, okay, that must be trash or something like that. But We're living in a time where instead of me calling you, yo, Dre, how's that part? How's, how's, how's downtown gone? And it's good? Yeah. It, it's blessed? Instead of me going and figuring it out myself or Stupid. finding out for myself, it's nice. or instead of me messaging you, I'm gonna go look on your snap. If you post, <laughs> yeah, that's facts, that's if you facts. post it on your snap, if you posted the senior on your snap, I know it's lit, so I'm coming. Mm, mm. If it's not on snap, it's trash. It's trash. If no one's posting. That's the time snap, we're yeah. living in. That's crazy though. How if it's not on here? social media, we don't believe it. If it's not on social media, it didn't happen. Exactly. How do we get here? That's crazy. So, so being a DJ in the scene, like, how did you? How do you feel like you had to adapt to this, this era that we're in? <laughs> I, I try to blend it with a mix of myself, staying true to myself with, which is almost like a rebel a bit. I feel like that's easy for you though. Yeah, it comes natural you know just I mean? a tad. <laughs> but other than the naturalness to it, I just feel like I adapt to it in the sense of. And make it work for me. Um, if you're a follower of me, you're well aware I don't post often in the sense of like my actual grid timeline in terms of social media platforms, but I'm heavy in my story. I'm heavy interactive in other ways. I try not to make it a thing where you can keep track of what my everyday, what I'm doing every day yeah. by checking what I'm doing online. Cause I'm trying to defeat the stigma of privacy not being a thing. Cause I feel like that's what we're living in where privacy has become. Almost non-existent. Yeah. And that's not, um, it's not cool that's, to me. Yeah, that's such a deep, that's such a deep topic because <laughs> Although we want privacy, and you're doing a good job of it, obviously, there's so many ways where our privacy is being breached. Like, yeah. the minute we have our, use a thumb scan for our iPhones or face scans, like, they know exactly how we look like, location, like, all this shit is crazy, that, like, the times we're in now. But I liked how you said about, like, just, you know, not letting people dictate where you're at. 
Yeah. I think I think it's a problem where people know exactly where you're at. Yeah. Each move you're making, because if they wanted to pull up on you any moment, they could. Exactly. And I'm a person, I'm a heavy preacher of never posting where you're at when you're there. After. You know what I mean? On, like, yeah. especially in the times we're living in now. Like, Toronto has become a whole different, yeah. almost, era we're living in now. It's, it's You, especially highlighting the black community especially as a black man it has become very difficult living here and being safe and especially when you're living in a culture where validation is everything and validation is everything i think people thrive off validation they crave it that's exactly what we were talking about before with the snapchat oh you're having fun post it to get validation from someone else I think when, you, when you're always seeking validation too, I think there's like a little sense of, of I don't want to say insecurity, yeah. but there's something lacking here. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm a big fan of like taking social media breaks. Me too. You know what I mean? That shit does wonders for me. I took one like maybe a month ago or two months ago for like a week. I'm like, the first couple of days I won't lie were hard. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck this shit. Then after like a couple of days went by, I'm like, no, this is, why the hell do I need gram? My screen time was like, like at like an hour. You know what I'm saying? I felt good, but yeah. I, I'm and I'm a believer in those too. Like in a sense I'm almost taking one right now. I'm uh, as active as I usually am. And just cause just in the sense of keeping people up to date in the sense of like, okay, she's she's still around, she's just in her low key space right now mm -hmm. type of thing. Cause I'll get people that know me know me. But because I'm not keeping up with online and they know I don't like to keep up with online, they'll reach out like, yo, yeah. you still spinning? You, you, you good? Like, yeah, those let, me, let, me, let me know what's really going on because mm -hmm. I, I, I know how, how you are mm -hmm. type of thing. And I almost feel like we all need those kind of people in our, in our circle too. And living in the city we live in, we thrive off of not giving a fuck. Oh my God! It is like, this and I say bad. this city because when I go to other places, the the energy in hospitality is almost black and white than what I deal with here. It is like people are naturally so nice to you that it comes off as awkward and like you feel like there's an ulterior yeah, motive some type of because of what you're used to in this city you don't get people randomly asking you how's your day how's how's life or did your did work go okay mm -hmm. you don't get that here from strangers especially yeah when i travel the world i get that nine times out of ten wherever i go that's nuts it, it's, that's nuts. It, are you are you used to that now, or, or do you still? Because I feel like I agree with that. Like we we carry this type of trauma with us because we feel like there's an ulterior motive, or they're trying mm -hmm. to do something different, or they have mm -hmm. some type of plan. But are you at a point now where like you're at you go places and they're like, okay, they genuinely care about what I'm doing, or they genuinely care about how? I'm yeah, doing? I feel like I'm still slowly getting used to it because even a couple months ago when I traveled and I was interacting with people there were a few times where i guess i kind of made it awkward because i just was not used to how nice strangers could be to you i i swear yeah. to god like yeah. i had somebody 
we were at a cross, our four-way stop sign, and there was a family with their dog, and we were signaling them to cross before we advanced, and they they stopped, asked us, how, how are you, how's your day type shit, and it was almost awkward because we were like, like how do I respond to this? How do, did did yeah, they do something wrong? Why yeah. are they coming walking to the car asking us how's our day? Like, yeah. what's going on? And they're like, no, welcome to Houston. This is just how we are. Yeah. Southern hospitality. This is how we are. That's a real thing. I lived in Florida the whole time and I, I, I relate to that completely. Um, so like, just speaking on the city, I'll even say country because I know Canada, the, like Edmonton, Calgary, I was living out there. There's mm -hmm. still that like, type of... of nice... I wouldn't even say nah. I'd say the complete opposite. Oh. A lot of times, people don't want to work with you. Um, crab, crab in a bucket mentality. Yeah. Um, so where where do you where do you see Toronto going in the future when it comes to being in that space as a DJ? When it comes to being in these entertainment spaces, like what where do you see us in ten years, five years, whatever it may be? And what or what do you want to see us going towards? What I want to see us going towards is having an actual nightlife where, or it doesn't even have to necessarily be nightlife, but what would you classify it then? Um, um, entertainment industry? Or, yeah. Or, yeah. An entertainment industry where the experience matters, like the actual what you're taking part in actually like you give a fuck about it you yeah. actually want to be there versus like wait hold on let me interrupt you mm -hmm. move your shirt and show the chromey what are you dealing with man <laughs> what's popping here like man you're See? just seeing this right now like, come on what's popping right, right. right. get back to it let's get back to it <laughs> let's get back to it come on but yeah like coming from an era okay let me say this Coming from an era where it was almost like a chore to party or take place in events. Coming from all ages, doing oh, yeah. events. Yeah. Coming to 19 plus, doing events now. It's just like how somebody looks at their 9 to 5 in the office downtown in their blue collar corporate job. That's almost how I'm, that's almost how a lot of DJs look at it as a now chore. as a chore versus yeah it's my job but it's also fun yeah so like how do you how do you keep that fun how do you keep it entertaining and enjoyable because it's safety is safety number is. number one yeah. like i'll tell you this in toronto right if you want your event or party or whatever it is to move right or to get a lot of people, get a lot of, gather a lot of attention, um, you're going to want to ensure everybody's safety. Oh. And that seems to be a big, huge problem here. And it's almost disgusting how much it is of a problem here. And it's part of why I don't mind taking the hiatus that I'm taking right now um, in terms of being in Toronto's entertainment mm -hmm. industry because I'm at a point where $350 is not worth my life. It really isn't. It and really isn't. if you cannot formulate or coordinate an event and ensure everybody's safety from 1230 to 3 a.m., it's almost like... I, 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 it's almost like the fun in Toronto is almost at a loss. 
it's getting to that point. It's a risk. Every time you step out, it's a risk. Yep. I feel like it's almost escalated now, the point where there's a lot of factors that play into that, but I feel like it's, it's you know, there's times where I'm out with my, my, with my friends and it's like, we see the location here, okay, that's popping, oh, mm-hmm. who's gonna be there? Okay, all right, they're gonna, like it's, you have to kind of, like as, a, as a, someone that's going out to the club, you kind of have to like really coordinate, like is this a yeah. smart move? You have yeah. to know who's going where and where, cause you know, that could be your last time going out. As crazy as that sounds. I've been DJing, what, 10 years now? Yeah. I've had my speaker shot out. I've had to run from gunfire. I've had to jump over balconies from gunfire. I've done it all. And I'm at a point where it's like, if Toronto don't care to be safe and have a good experience, then I don't give a fuck for Toronto to have a... To, to have a safe and good experience. If, yeah. Like, what am I doing going above and beyond for people that don't care to do it for themselves? Yeah, facts. DJing is one of those things where you're never tied down to a specific area. You can pack up and... And leave, and there goes the party. People don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand that yeah. formula. And the formula keeps getting misconstrued and redone and trying to be done in sort of all these different ways, but it's yeah. not working. I have a DJ question for you. This is a little off topic. It's okay. Um... I was telling you earlier that a lot of times where I'm going to certain events and spaces, mm-hmm. the DJs that I'm that I'm seeing are playing the same things. It's not fun. Playing repetitive top 40 tracks or tracks that I've seen everywhere. Mm-hmm. How do you distinguish between a good DJ and an elite DJ? What type of things do they do differently than the regular normal DJ that's playing these repetitive, you know? The elite things? DJ is paying attention to the crowd. They're in tune with what's going on, what the crowd wants to hear, the music they want to party to. They're in tune with the environment they're in, the space they're in, right? A good DJ is playing all right music. They'll probably vibe to it, they might move to it, but they're low-key playing what they want to hear. An elite DJ is playing what Andre wants to hear, what he wants to hear, what he wants to hear, what everybody in the room wants to hear, what yeah. they want to vibe to. It's not about me at the end of the day. It's about you and what yes. you're going to move to, right? That's my job, to get you guys to move. You can, I could have, everybody in the room can hate me. As long as I have you moving and dancing, whatever you're doing, however you have fun, mm. I did my job. I'm good. As long as you're having fun, you're in the event and you're in your own little, having your own little experience, my job is done. Yeah. You're hearing what you want to hear, not what I want to hear. If the, if I was DJing and playing what I want to hear, you guys would all be bumping to Aaliyah all day. <laughs> all day. The party would be an Aaliyah party. I'm sure, no, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't be, wouldn't be mad at that either. You know what I mean? It, it, might, it, might be, it might throw in a little trap here and there, but it'd be a, yeah. Aaliyah party. But no, I play for you guys. Or for the crowd, or what yeah. they want to hear. Yeah. That you, you, you're in tune with the crowd and the experience. And when I say that, I also do not mean you're paying attention to everyone throwing a song request at you. Yeah. No. If you're an elite DJ, you don't need those song requests type of shit. Not to say don't adhere to them or try yeah. to adhere to them. Yeah, like you can like hear them out. You, you know, know what I mean? I want but, to, like, but like if you're Good enough, you'll know you don't need that. Yeah. You'll know that what you're doing by how, seeing how the crowd is interacting with you or reacting to what you're playing, mm-hmm. you'll know if your job is done or not. How much does confidence play a role in, in DJ? Big. I can tell just by off hearing a DJ and how they're playing, how they're transitioning, if they're nervous or not. Really? 
What are, some, what are some cues like I need? How you're blending the music, how you're, if you're switching the songs too fast, fast depending on how the crowd is, right? You kind of yeah. have to like read the crowd and read the vibe to kind of plan out what you're doing mm. in a sense on the go. So if you're, I can tell, if you're not reading, you, you can tell right off the bat when a DJ is not reading the crowd type thing. If, they're, if the crowd is dead, not moving, and you're at an R&B party, but you're playing soca. That's a idiot, I think. Yeah, I feel like a lot of DJs feel like this this inclination or this 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 mandatory pursuit that they have to play soca, um, dancehall, trap, and a little bit of R&B. No, but those four you, are necessary. Let me tell you the the problem specifically with this city. This city, everybody wants to play all the bangers. Everybody wants to be that guy. They want to be that bitch or that DJ that played all the bangers that everybody bumps in. When I say bangers, you, the songs that you know off the rip, people are going to bump yeah. their head to. Yeah. Okay? You want to rinse that all out. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what time it is either. Right? Because if you follow a little DJ etiquette, you'll know when to play certain shit. Yeah, yeah. Right? But yeah, you'll yeah. have some DJs <laughs> that they just want to fucking, they just want to show their skill right then and there and they want to fucking impress all the other DJs that they know are behind them watching them and they want to play Super Gremlin at 10.30 at night when <laughs> yeah, the party man. Just, You know what I mean? You know where I'm going yeah. with this? That is a problem that I only get here. Mm. When I DJ in Florida, when I DJ in New York, when I DJ in Houston, when I DJ in Yacht, I don't get these problems. Because it's not, it's not an internal competition between the DJs. That shit shouldn't even matter to you, right? And it shouldn't, to be honest with you, if you're a good DJ, it really doesn't even matter what time you play shit. Yeah. They'll react to you if you're setting the right vibe. Regardless. No matter what. That's crazy that you say that. Because I, you know, I, I recognize a lot of good DJs that I've been around or, or been in spaces with. That 10 to 11 is, is tracks that you're not bumping your head to, but it's like, it's the warm-ups. Mm -hmm. 11 to 12, still warm-ups, but you're, you're, you're slowly getting to that, that 12, 1, 8, 1 a.m. range. But mm -hmm. no, nah, I like how you pointed that out. Because I... When you're playing bangers from 10 to 2, 10 to 3, it's like it kind of overplays. Mm -hmm. It kind of gets overused. And like for me, as someone that's just going to one, I, I don't enjoy it as much. You know exactly. what I mean? And good DJs take note of that. Yeah. And the crowd will take note of that too. Like yeah. I'll have people that, and sometimes it's not even our fault. Sometimes it could be however the coordinator of the event wants to. Yeah, that's how they just wanted the DJ schedule to go. Do they ever tell you you have to play certain tracks? Like, do you have to follow a guideline with that? Or do they just say, hey, it's sub the ball's mm. in your court? No, when it comes to, like, club events and stuff, no. Mm. Um, you really just do your own thing. It's, it, unless it's, like, a set theme or something like that. But other than that, you're just doing your own thing. But, like, I've gotten to the point where, like, in Serato, there's an option to, like, hide your songs while you're playing hide the song title okay right because i've had djs literally copy my set <laughs> track for track no not gonna say no names but i've literally been on a set two djs come on after me and then nah. the other hip-hop dj will come on and literally play exactly nah. what i played track for track in the same chronological order too. They nah, don't even switch it up. Nah. I've had that happen to me countless amount of times. And 
not not plagiarism in DJ, and that's crazy. <laughs> you, you, ever, you, you, ever seen those memes? you ever see those memes like, yo, let me copy your essay? Like, here, I'll change that one, two word around, but you're still both getting caught. Yeah. That's got a, that's terrible. Yeah. Like, that is a heavy, uh, heavy problem here. Shit, just, just copying. Okay, copying down to song lists, down to, down to your style. Yeah, so it comes down to originality, I guess. That's <laughs> something that, yeah, I agree. That's a problem here in, in the entertainment scene, the creative scene as well, too. There's been a lot of people that have been, um, I guess, paid for copying other people's styles, other people's work. But I think that happens in a lot of places, too. Not only in Toronto, you know. It does. You just said, um, I kind of want to flip the script a little bit, because mm -hmm. you've been DJing a lot of places. Like, what type of festivals have you, have you been around? Um, well, the latest one. <laughs> the latest one was my craziest to date. Mm -hmm. I've been to, I don't know, a good, I want to say 10, 15 festivals in my lifetime. And the latest one I went to is probably the craziest to date. Yeah. And, I mean... Festival energy is way different than like and club energy. Club energy. What's the difference? Is it's just more free spirited. You're more, yeah. You're more free spirit, free spirited. You're more liberated to do your own thing. You really can like showcase your own yeah. type of style, I guess. Yeah. In a sense, and your own cater to like your own niche in a sense. Versus where in a club, it's kind of like set in terms of like you're playing what you're known for and yeah. that's it kind of thing where like in a festival setting you can be a little more expressive and creative in the sense mm -hmm. like i've done an edm set you done the edm <laughs> dj shannon supreme done edm yeah you guys love what to the hell? box on, me on, into this little hip hop we're boxing you in right now hold on what's going on <laughs> what's the thought process behind this like what how did someone approach you with this opportunity or you kind of went out for it and how did you adapt to that kind of both okay kind of both um a little about me i've always double dabbled in I like house edm techno it's tough everything almost yeah. i try to like mash up what i can what i can make sound good type thing and i would definitely say that experience versus being in an urban hip-hop club are two total different experiences that's for sure but one thing i will say is that experience and that was on like a thousand level people Oh, well, yeah, over 5,000 people level nuts. experience. Yeah. I would say the entire time I still felt safe. Versus. Why? why is versus it because of the where, crowd? Is it because of the way the security was handled? What do you think it, it really was? A little bit of both? A little bit of both. More organized, more yeah. professional in the sense of like, there's people telling you where to go. There's. Yes designated people for everything you're not clustered into this one giant space and mm. the culture is a little bit different in the sense of like be happy yeah. like it's like nobody's in a festival of that like edm and such you're, you're not really seeing sad yeah, yeah like yeah. you're not really seeing down people, people are, are like, there in the moment yeah they're, they're living to have fun. exactly makes living sense. for an experience makes sense right versus where I recently was, not to say people weren't living for an experience, it's just 
this experience had no organization, no control. Where was this? Houston. Okay, so you're talking about, yeah, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So, speaking of festivals, we obviously had this conversation beforehand, but you were at Astro, Astro World. Mm -hmm. um, talk about that. How did, you, how did you end up being there? What brought you out there? And, yes, yeah, seeing it firsthand, like, how was it like? This is the first time I'm talking to someone that's actually been there. So this is, I've seen the media, I've seen what's been on the news, but this is from a first-hand source. So how do you feel about it? So I was originally there on business. Mm. I was booked for a few after parties that had to deal with the main show. And of course, with that being said, I was able to attend the festival itself. And if, you're, if you know anything about me, you'll know that I'm an actual big, big Travis Scott fan. So it just goes hand in hand. Why not? <laughs> but I will definitely say that was not my first Travis Scott show. It was not my second either. But... To be honest with you, it's still it's still difficult to process. This is something that I didn't think would affect me how it is now, mm -hmm. but it has affected me in ways where I didn't even think, and it has just highlighted like a whole set of like emotions or. Emotions, alignment, and like perspective. Yeah. Did you ever think at any point in time that you're there that you, this is the last time you'll see life? Like you could see your last day here. I'll tell you this: there was a there was a time where they were about. We were pretty much squeezed up. This is when we finally got to like the front of where our VIP section was. And everyone, of course, was trying to get into this one section at one time. And there was a time where we were like at the front of the line, but in the middle, but basically at the front, yeah. if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So this is, if I could give you like kind of a visual, like this is the bunch of people here, this is the barricade here, yeah. and this is the, um, the police security and all of that are there. And they were trying to get everybody to get in like a formal straight line, which was never going to work, but they were trying to get everybody to get in like this formal straight line. And everybody was pushing back and forth like, you were it was like you were like it's in like a wave. Rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you're being yeah. pushed back and forth and There was a point where the police got I guess they just got like really frustrated and pulled out their tasers and Started waving the tasers in the front of the crowd and people started freaking what the, out and shit What is that gonna do? So they pushed so everybody that was at the front of that barricade pushed us back and then the people behind us pushed forward and it literally felt like I was being pulled into like a vortex and there was like nothing that I could do at yeah. this point. And I swear to you in my head, I said, yo, God, I, on everything, I love God. I'm not dying in Texas today. I'm telling you that right now, God, I don't know what, what you have to do, but I'm not dying in Texas today. Mm -hmm. And then maybe like 10, 
10, 15 minutes after that, the pushing stopped. They kind of, oh no, the pushing only stopped because the barricade broke and the police literally said, fuck it. They got trampled? I didn't get that. Dude. No, no, the police, they got trampled. Oh, yeah, yeah. They trampled, pushed out the way. Oh, like, it was, it was curtains. It was literally just, yeah, curtains at that point. Yeah. Like, every man for themselves. Mind you, my group had 30 people. By this point, there was like, Five, that was maybe like five. We all got split up, so maybe like five, four people were around me. But like, even by the end of the show, like, <laughs> I was by myself. Mm. Like, the shit I experienced there, I don't know. I'm still. It's traumatizing. Yeah. I could only imagine how that must have felt. I, I don't know how to, I don't know how, I've still been struggling to be, like, when people ask me this question, how to explain it. Yeah. But I, I still haven't found, like, the right words because it's almost like two shows were happening at once. Mm -hmm. Is the best way I've found to put it so far. So... Obviously, this didn't just start at the beginning of the festival because I've seen like videos of like him performing, crowd was booming, it was whatever. Like, when at what point it, was this a problem like, that you recognize? Let me let me make something clear too. So this festival was supposed to be two days. The festival day one started. Um, the festival started at twelve o'clock in yeah. the afternoon. Okay, yo, shit. People were in line from from what we were told like maybe seven a.m waiting in line to get in, okay? No, but, no, let me not say that. The big, let me not say that either. The main acts, I should say, start, um, came on around like, I wanna say maybe three, four o'clock. Yeah, that's when Lil Baby came on. No, 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 sorry, it was Roddy Rich came on first. Mm -hmm. Lil Baby, no, no, no. Roddy Rich, Don Tolliver, then Lil Baby. Mm -hmm. Then Cesar. People were getting crazy, or it was like overwhelming from Roddy Rich. People were getting pulled out of the crowd. Yeah. People were starting in, like you if like if your hands were up like this, they weren't they coming, coming down. down yeah. It was complete chaos from then till um I think it was Don before Don Tolliver um was moving on with his set he even like mentioned he said something to the crowd because there's two different stages too let me oh, point not that just out one. okay no no no. that that's the, yeah so let me make it clear travis's stage was travis's stage he yeah. was the only one on that stage and then there was a whole different side called um so that shit called the chills mountain it was like chills and thrills stage mm. and all of the <clears throat> other acts were on the side stage and it was crazy from day. It wasn't just Travis's performance where the chaos ensued. That's I mean, that's when it That's when it reaches peak. That's yeah. when it reaches peak, but it was people were passing out, having seizures and all types from in the day. Like So I get I get it's it's festival. I understand that, but why is a lot of the onus on him? Like why is like of course it's a festival, of course he's bringing these people out, but I think a lot of people didn't realize that Roddy, the crowd was crazy then. That's what Don, I'm saying. the crowd was crazy then. Like there's there's a lot of miscommunication and a lot of 
blurred blurred lines blurred lines you can't, yeah. and i mean i don't have the answers for them all because i was only at one part mm -hmm. of the show but i will tell you like the angle that where i was there was there was no indication until people started having seizures and passing out and dropping themselves in our section alone and mind you my vip section had I don't know, maybe 5,000, five, anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 people. And let me highlight another thing. People were breaking into this festival all day. <laughs> the wristbands were doing nothing. The, the, at, there was no point of having a wristband <laughs> at one point. I swear to you. Unless you oh, wanted man. to go buy, um, it was like some VIP merch and like liquor. Because yeah. the VIP sections, you could buy liquor in the actual festival. There was no point of having the wristband. These niggas broke down the fence from day, and it got broke down multiple times. Like Caravan in the summertime. Exactly. So think of, the, just like Caravan at summertime, mm. and the fence getting broken down maybe once every fucking hour. <sighs> How would our lakeshore look? We'd be nuts. With the masqueraders. <laughs> oh my goodness. This show sold out. This festival sold out. It was 50,000 people. I, I'm telling you, the I would say maybe like 20,000 people broke into this festival. Spillover. So you're dealing with 70K roughly. In one spot. You're dealing with a town. Pretty much. You're dealing with a town. A small population in one spot. One thing I will say, too, there was no... I don't remember there being an indication of like, this is the way to get out, exit here. Mm -hmm. This is how you get out of VIP or follow this... There's roadway no, to there's no exit strategy no that's something i wanted to ask you because being in there what are some things that could have been done differently that you wish you would have seen from from day one i mean at this point i'm not even just the general security yeah <laughs> Sorry, I just had like, yeah i know i know it's a tough it's a tough question. yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, in general i feel like People wouldn't have died if there was organization, more first organization, more security, more um, empathy, sympathy, maybe care. I don't even say that. I would say more people with experience, like security guards. There, a lot of the security that they hired, from what I've seen, are contracted like kids. People younger than you and I Stop that are supposed to be there to ensure Stop my this. safety. Stop this. That I could handle myself. I, I swear to God. I swear to God. The security, it's not, you're not like you're seeing off official big security. No. These are kids that probably went to a job fair yeah. and said, I'm getting paid $17 an hour to come work this one festival for eight hours. Cool, sign me up. They're still in math class. That was the and security. That was the security. Even, I mean, like, everyone wants, I mean, right now, you know, everyone's blame, putting the blame on him and whatnot, which I don't agree with. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I really don't agree with it because at the end of the day, as a patron, and mind you, I was right beside the stage at a point, there's nothing he could do. I'm not sure what people would have expected him to 
do at that point in time, but like we didn't know something. Let me let me show you this. Yeah. We didn't know that something was wrong at all until people started dropping in our section. Yeah. One man dropped in our had a seizure. He was having a seizure, and that's when literally like a hundred, maybe two hundred people in the crowd in our section started chanting, "Yo, Travis, look, help! Yo, look over here, yo!" And that's when he was on on the razor thing. So he was like above, so he could yeah. probably hear a little more. And he looked, turned, and looked. And that's when he called security and said, "Yo, security!" Security couldn't even get to the man. I'm, but I'm glad you brought that shit up because there's, there's this rhetoric going around, uh, this energy that that Travis had seen this and it completely ignored it. He completely disregarded these people and was just there for the seen what? Seen what? This shit happened right behind me and I didn't see it. So I didn't see it. Yeah. Three people had seizures behind me. I didn't see it. And you're on the level. And I'm you're there. on the fan level. I'm on the fan level. And I'm there. This guy I'm there. Not even on no VIP beside the stage shit. Yeah. This is when I'm in the crowd with everybody. Yeah. I didn't know that uh, three people had seizures behind me. It wasn't until, like I said, it wasn't until Travis pointed it out himself and then security couldn't even get to the man. Security, the, um, the crowd had to lift up these people's bodies and crowd surf them to the security. Stupidness. There's no pro it's stupid too because you can't expect a man whose whose job is to perform. His job is to entertain. I think that's what a lot of people are forgetting. He was an employee too. He's he's he's, he's being employed by this festival, no? And then they expect him to not only do that, to not only lock in and focus on his craft and delivery performance, but to also pay attention to what's going on exactly in the crowd at exactly a particular moment. You know what I mean? There's 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 I keep seeing the story about this ambulance. The ambulance. I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I see that on the on ambulance. Socials. The ambulance had people on it that might not have been alive at the time. But how would Travis? How would the artists have known that if there were people dancing on the ambulance? This is a Travis Scott show. Let's cut the shit. This is a Travis Scott show. Okay. If you, I would never recommend Astro World. For anybody for their first show ever, yeah. I would definitely never recommend Astro World as their first show ever because it's not that kind of crowd for the week. For I can't even say for the week. It's Travis has created a whole culture behind what he does. Yeah, right. Would you almost say it's like a mosh pit type vibe? Like people are there. Yes. All of that, the, all of that was happening all around me. Mosh pits are happening as far as the eye can see. Yeah. But. It was never a sense of like people are in the mosh pit getting injured to the point where like they're dying. They're dying. Getting it was injured, never, yeah. it, it, buddy. I, I, I'm telling you, if I didn't have to run, because several after his show, after the show ended, there were several triggers of stampedes, mm -hmm. and when we ran, if we didn't. If we weren't running and tripping over people, bodies, people crying, people unconscious, people having seizures, people vomiting, everything. If we weren't running over that, if we weren't, if I didn't see that myself, I, I wouldn't have any idea that that was even happening. And that's what's scary, right? And... 
my whole thing from this, if there's anything positive I would want people to take from this is that maybe there needs to be some type of just like how we have a group of fucking people that are being paid to hype up the crowd, do all that hyphy shit. Cause Rolling Loud, I don't know if people know this, Rolling Loud has a team of kids that they literally pay to fucking do wild shit in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So How do I know that? Because I know a man that was hired from Rolling Loud, who was also at Astroworld, who's seen worse things than what I did. When this kid came back to the hotel, his clothes were covered in blood, Kelly. That's scary, man. That's, that's, that's the type of shit that stays with you for life, too. And when I tell you, this kid was like the perfect example of what Travis classifies them as ragers. Perfect example. And when I tell you that this kid is, it's almost like he's not even the same kid anymore. Yeah. How? this has like it's taking away the joy the security yeah like mind you okay let me get more deep with it now so one of the people that were confirmed dead was in our group when i tell you that's that was probably the most heart or the, despite me getting injured and all that fuck shit mind you any of us that got injured, we couldn't get into the hospital. There was, there was no getting flooded. into the, there, yeah. there's no getting into it, especially considering I'm not even from America. Yeah. So when we couldn't, when, when our group, when everybody grouped back and we realized that one person was missing, um, it wasn't even that we realized, it was the roommate of him that was staying with him said, yo, my roommate, this is, at, mind you, this is 9 a.m. now. Yeah. Mind you. Um, next day. Next day, okay. 9 a.m., this kid goes, guys, um, it's morning and the, the my roommate's not back yet and there's no sign of him, there's that. nothing. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even know what to say. We didn't know what to say, we didn't know what to do. There was like literally nothing in the group chat for like a good two minutes because we don't know what to say. So we literally waited, I think they we waited for like I think maybe 12, 1 o'clock, and then that's when they came out with the um, the center that they had for people missing. Yeah. They, like, set up this, like, central station for people missing, dead, or... For that, for that venue? For yeah, that, for, for Astroworld. Okay. They set up, like, a whole yeah. thing, like, if you couldn't find your loved one or whatever the case may be, your Contact. name your name would have been on that list. So um, one of the, uh, the people that didn't get that badly injured... Um, they went down there, um, tried looking for him on all, he wasn't on any list, it wasn't on nothing. Um, it wasn't until fast forward, till when they called the police to file a missing report. The police say, um, we can't file it right now because it needs, 24 hours needs to pass. Um, and that's when we're kind of like, well, I'm sure you're aware of what just happened what just happened so maybe like you know maybe some this could be an exception no no exceptions so it wasn't until the sunday the roommate gets the phone call from the uh, police saying that they found him 
They had him at the hospital from Friday. Uh, they just couldn't identify him because he had on no clothes. And that's when we kind of spoke amongst ourselves to try to figure out who was going to tell this guy's dad. Let me just sit with that for a second. Um, it's a different, you know, a lot of us in this room have experienced death, you know, especially with people close to us, but it's a different feeling, especially within that duration when you're with someone, you know, just days before, you're having conversations mm -hmm. with them and the next day, you know, you get that type of news. That That's the type of shit that changes you. What, you, yo, if you guys, like, What's crazy is that we had videos of most of the people that were getting that were um pretty fucked up yeah. at, at Astroworld and um it wasn't until they confirmed he was already dead that we already had a video from the day of of someone trying to revive him, giving him CPR. And Yo, like it, this, like it, this shit got so deep. Like hearing the roommate, because it was the guy who was paired up with him who ended up telling the dad, mm -hmm. um, and because he spoke Spanish too, and none of us really spoke fluent um, Spanish. Yeah. Explaining to the dad, hearing him explain to the dad, um, why his son wasn't coming back was probably one of the most, like, I mean, shit, I'm a hard rock solid person nah, and that me. was yeah, probably yeah. one of me. the most saddest shit I had to, to witness, to, to hear. And I've never heard, I, I've never been in a, a situation like that ever where I had to hear someone explain to someone who has no idea they don't have fucking yeah his dad had no idea no who way. travis scott is or yeah he just knows his, his son went to a concert of one of his favorite artists and now is not coming back home for fun he probably didn't even think that would be the last time he'd see his son no and it was it was crazy like we <laughs> there was no way of, tra of tracking this guy down there was Oh man, I think it's just sad because you have people going to a venue expecting it to be safe for fun, for enjoyment, for memories that they could build on and last a lifetime. And then to now know that their life has ended there, that's that's probably one of the most saddest things I've seen, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, fuck, I come from a pretty rough place. And I will tell you that that shook my head differently. Yeah. I've never seen so much demise, so much like chaos, chaos in one place. That oh, and then and then you can't make sense of it because they're like, when did this? Like how? When? Like where was I? Was I not at this concert too? Like yeah. how did how did I not see this? But there's. It's a, yeah, it's a blessing that I can even have this conversation with you right now. And you know, that like you're still here, thank God. Cause that's, I feel like in life there's, I've had a lot of close calls myself where it's like, if I made one wrong turn that way, if I took one wrong step that way, I wouldn't be here today. 
And I think moments like that for you, like you're just saying, they kind of make you, it, it shifts the perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's something that you've, you've done recently where you're kind of looking at things differently now. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I don't think people realize how much of a privilege it is to come home. <sighs> Yo, that coming home every time is a serious underrated blessing. I don't think people show enough gratitude yeah, to themselves know. how Yo. how thankful you should be to be able to just touch your bed sometimes. Cause I went to America to have a. I I I never thought I would ever go through something like that. And usually I'm a person that can just bounce back like know, yeah, of course. like nothing. And I mean I've been through. The worst of the worst but it's this shit i can't shake mm. right and i'm a person now where i like to tackle things head on and this is something where like i'm not even a person to talk about shit and i had to get a therapist i'm actually that's probably one of the most joyful things you you said today the fact that you had to get a therapist i had to get a therapist i'm actually that's i'm excited and happy to hear that and i encourage anybody going through what I'm going through or similar to maybe follow route to talk to, to someone. talk to someone like and I'm not saying to f go on Google and find the fucking first therapist available like yeah. I went through a couple until I found one I yeah. was super comfortable with but like sometimes having that person that's just like girl what's going on with talk you today to like yeah. talk to me like you don't know how much like that little conversation can like create such a big impact yeah, I've uh, I've carried this attitude recently, you know, just experiencing death around me recently too. I've carried this attitude that you never know what someone else is going through. Okay. You know, a lot of people are very great actors when it comes to how their day might be going. You could ask someone, yo, what's good? How you doing? Perfect, fam. I'm, I'm blessed, fam. I'm good. You know, deep down they're dealing with some serious trauma, some serious mm -hmm. issues. So the way that I've like to approach certain things is like, I just want to show empathy towards people. You know, because exactly. people could be having the worst day of their lives and you will never know it. You know what I'm saying? But like, I like what you just said there, having someone to talk to, reaching out to someone to talk to, a therapist. Like, There's nothing wrong. There's, there's nothing, nothing uncool about it. There's nothing yeah. crazy about it. It's actually pretty positive that... It, it shows strength, though. People it, don't realize that. Like, it does. To, 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 to bottle shit in is, is one of the... It's, it's easy to do, but it's also hurting you to actually reach out and say, yo... Something's wrong with me. I didn't need help. That's one of the most powerful things anyone could do in my opinion. One of the most ballsy things anyone Easily. can do, and it takes a lot. It took me a minute yeah. to say to myself, yo, you need help, girl. I'm, yo, I'm so happy. You don't even know how happy I'm to hear that. It, it took me a minute to get to that realization because, like I said, I've always been a person to just brush shit under the rug or yeah. just deal with shit one way, but... You know, you come to a point in life where you realize you can't deal with everything by just brushing shit under the rug or being passive aggressive about it. Like you, yeah. you'll build up and build up and get like me, and eventually that rug's gonna get uncomfortable to step on. Exactly. You know, what I mean, it's a nuisance. Um, I think with a lot of cases too, with what you've experienced, it wasn't only mental but it was physical too. Yeah, I mean, I was walking around. Not knowing, not knowing my ribs were fractured. That's <laughs> like, that's I'm, actually crazy. I was in a shitload of pain. Yeah. But me being Shannon, like 
thinking I can just check Tough through it all. all. No, I no. said, okay, can't get into the hospital. I'm going to just stock up on Tylenol and Advil and do my thing. Yeah. But, boy, <laughs> I will say, like, it was an experience I will never forget, that's for sure. And I'm just at a place where my therapist has said, like, you know, eventually let's get to somewhere where we can turn it into a positive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like me, I know I've been put on this earth to help any and everyone I can. So in terms of that, I always said maybe that there needs to be a way, like, this whole festival has changed how festivals are going to be forever. For sure, for sure. I'm that, there's no right denying yeah. that. Yeah. So maybe things like firmly ensuring everyone's safety, right, and promoting the right environment. Because mm -hmm. one thing I will say, right, is I, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not with the, the Travis Scott hate chain that's going on right now. But at the same time, there are a few things where definitely encourage some of the behavior, mm -hmm. right? And maybe that there needs to be things in place to make those changes. For artists? For certain, artists, certain for the crowd, yeah. protocols, everything. Like, yeah. look at the trigger reaction it caused. That happened, and then everybody at their concerts was going above and beyond to ensure their crowd was okay. Yeah. Like, I seen Tiana Taylor... Did she stop a crowd one time? She literally yeah, stopped yeah. someone in the crowd. I like, Tiana, I think Logic. Um, Doja Cat. Doja Cat, yeah. And it's it's great to see, but it's sad that an event like that has that to go has to, to that. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times with trauma, a lot of beauty and good can come from it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think trauma and and positivity are, are synonymous. You know, I think like it's it's that's just the way the human condition is. Like sometimes at funerals, you'll hear you'll have some of the best jokes at at a time, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, I just I just wish there was a different way we can kind of approach situations without it having to go to to the ground to the, just being shit all. Like I wish we can approach situations and just know we don't have to experience that in order for us to do this. For example. Um, just like how a team like Rolling Loud, they have a set of people that they hire to come and hype up the crowd, get the crowd going, get enjoy themselves. Maybe we need to have a team to ensure the crowd's safety. Yeah, going around, making sure like you're you're blessed, you're good here. Okay, what do you? Okay, you need water. All right, come here. Like, some type of that's, and you you see that though. You see that in a lot of of higher class events. Um, a lot of, of banquet halls, they have people that go around and check on people's safety, but it, when it comes to crowds like that, like you're saying, obviously it's not always going to be like that. Yeah, I, I, mean, you know what I mean, the culture, the culture definitely, you know, <laughs> impacts that for, impacts uh, that yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, like I said, these kind of, you, 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 you also, that's why I said it, like, the onus shouldn't be completely on the artist. Because at the same time, the listener knows what they're getting into. I mean, nobody knew they were going to get into something like that. It's, yeah. Sorry, Go ahead. let me interrupt you real quick. It's crazy. I agree with that completely because you have, you have families. You have little kids going to this event, you know. I seen on the news a kid, I think he was, like, maybe seven or eight years old with his dad passed away. 
and he was in the, and it's it that little boy. It's almost mind blowing that that even happened to the little that little boy and his dad because of where they were. They were in the back, and in the back where they were, it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't as chaotic mm-hmm. from what I see. From what and again, this is from when your perspective, my perspective from when we had to get through that melee. It wasn't, it's kind of astonishing to know, like, some people that died, they were literally beside a security guard. Yeah. And still managed, they they didn't make it. Like, one of the, um, one of the, the, the people that didn't make it out, she was dropped on her head by police. Um, how's this event... And I know you mentioned a bit of it, but how does has this event changed your perspective on how you approach DJing now? Because you're you're on a bit of a hiatus, mm-hmm. as you said before. Um, you're looking at things differently. How, how has this changed how you view entertainment, how you view crowds, how you view being around people and in, in public places? Like, how would you say that has this affected you? That's the thing. I haven't. <laughs> As of right now, I can't even bring myself to be in like a crowded space. Like I, I've just this has changed me in the sense of like when I get back to that mental space where I can be in a crowd. In the sense, I feel like how do I say this? I've always been aware. I've always been a DJ to kind of like take in my surroundings, know my environment, kind of familiarize yeah, myself for with. Yeah, sure, it's important. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a survival oh, method also too. Exactly. You have to be aware, for sure. Always being aware and stuff. Yeah. But in 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 terms of um, how this can. Um, I guess alter how I I feel about DJing and stuff. I mean, like it definitely has me in a different perspective on um, life. Life and how I want to align myself. I taught you some lessons. One hundred percent. That <laughs> life is it's pretty, but it's precious and unexpected. Like. Sorry, I'm just struggling a bit with like how to put into words what I'm trying to say. Um, I would definitely, definitely say this has like impacted me on a huge scale in terms of like knowing my worth and my value. I mean, I know how valuable I am to this industry and this city in terms of things I've done and things I'm going to do. It's just coming to a point where figuring out what's really worth it and what's really going to be proactive in the sense of me. For me, I'm kind of like in a space where of if 
concerts are going to be on this kind of trend of what transpired, then it's kind of like, do I want to align myself with that environment? Mm -hmm. Like, Is it even worth it? Exactly. Pros and cons. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think that I think that's a benefit that definitely came from this for you, um, where it gave you a perspective of, of value, of worth, of what's even beneficial for your time, because we're getting we're love. getting older now. Time is time is money, and time is is the, the most valuable asset, in my opinion, that we have on this earth. You yeah. can't get it back. Yeah, you know, um, a conversation like this, we're all in this room. We we're here in a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. We're grounded. We're all here in this space, but we'll never get this time back. Ever. We have a conversation we can look at after, but again, we'll, we can't reverse and, and reverse back an hour from now. It's not a TV show. What's done is done. What's done is done. And I think like it, this actually goes back to what we were talking about this whole conversation, like being present. Yeah. You know, enjoying the moment, enjoying where you're at. Cause yeah. That's all that matters. Like the memories you have with people and, and, you know, of course, everyone won't be here at a certain time. We're all, we're all in this, everyone in this room is going to pass at a point, but it's like, what did you cherish though exactly and as much as as much as you know a lot of the time in houston was negative i will definitely say that there was a lot of positives mm. i took from houston too in terms of like I love me as a person and like just life in general like that was probably the first city where like I genuinely was like in an awkward, too many awkward situations. You didn't know how to, how to, move. How to yeah, react yeah, 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 because they were being so nice. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, it's kind of fucked up because you should be used to it. it what that city kind of did, it put, it put a mirror to you. Yeah. It said, okay, this is, this is what I should be used to. Used to. Yeah. I should be okay with this. It, it should, shouldn't this be normal. weird. It should this not is... be weird. Don't get that I here. Like that. Alright, we we about to wrap up this episode, but I just have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. I'm loving this conversation, but um what's what's next for you right now? I know you're in a time where a lot's happened, but where do you see yourself going now? I mean, I'm forever on my boss shit. Yeah. Forever forever on my boss shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm just working on deepening my, my other avenues. Um Brought you guys some gifts today from, from the shout other out, Shout out your shit, man, because this is a... Do we have the beer? Can, you, can someone pass me that, that, that bag right there? Let me see I the bomb real quick. I told you your bro about this one before. My bro, you gave my bro this too? I gave it. He has a sample of it too. This. And I'm I think I gave him the, um, the beard oil too. Like M works, man. What are you dealing with, bro? Come on, man. <laughs> this guy has a hat too. You couldn't even show me about the bomb, bro? Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, so what'd it's you a... What you put in this? A little secret, some some organic stuff, but um, the main ingredient in that is um, that one is grapeseed oil, castor oil, and coconut oil. You know about the grapeseed oil? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I just started taking that recently. Like, it's, to, like my brother actually put me on that. Funny enough, it's, I think the benefits are crazy. Apparently, very very versatile benefits yeah. for your skin and your hair. It's craziness. Okay, I appreciate that. And there's yeah. a cartoon. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. House de Meraki is the skincare brand. <laughs> oh, you left my. Nah, yeah, joking. no. Is that I'm really gonna... my fault? That's not my fault. Yes, man. it you, is you your never fault. Asked me how many meds are going to be here? I had to go look on the Insta and like, assume. You should have told me. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meraki, you see, the, you see the brand here. 
probably get a zoom in, obviously. House de Meraki, Meraki Organics. Everything 100% handmade and organic. I like that. From the soul for the hardworking. All right, shit. Well, again, Shannon, I appreciate you coming on the platform on the Gifted Gab. Anytime. Um, for sure. This has been like one of the most, I guess, I wouldn't even say interesting for lack of better words, but insightful episodes because although it was emotional, talking about something like that's going to be emotional regardless. I've learned a lot. I think the people that are going to be listening to this learn a lot. The people in this room have learned a lot. So again, like I can't, I can't thank you enough for this. So no worries. Like the biggest thing I want people to take from this is make your mental health a priority. Mm -hmm. Don't second don't put it on a backseat don't make it a burnt a second thought in your mind make it the first thought in your mind because yeah. it will you won't even notice like certain patterns and behaviors that you'll be doing that are literally in result to how you're mentally feeling and you're just not dealing with it sweep it under the rug yeah yeah some real shit People need to dedicate shit. more time to themselves and their mental health and especially, get right. Especially in our generation, because a lot of us are raised to, oh, we're feeling, drink tea. You're feeling sad? Oh, go for a walk. Yeah, drink tea oh, or, or, or put little Ray Nephew on your foot you know and I mean? rub your forehead. Rub your forehead. Like, oh, mental health? What is that? I came yeah. from a war-torn country. What do you mean mental health? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these, a lot of us as first or second generation Canadians have, have we're experiencing things in a different time now compared mm -hmm. to our parents. And I think exactly. that's why we view mental health differently than they have or, you know, some of our peers. But I, I completely agree with that, man. Mental health, if you, if your mental health isn't, isn't active, isn't ready, any, nothing else will be. Nothing. Because how could you expect to pour into someone else when your cup isn't even full? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and it will show and you won't think it shows, but trust me, show. it shows in everything. Facts. Everything. Your art, the way you carry yourself, that is, yo, that's nuts that you say that because it's facts, so. Well, All right, on that note. Appreciate you guys having me. We out.